Hello and welcome back to Users First. I'm Alessio Ferracuti, UX designer and podcast host at Users First. And this is a recorded message from the future. Yeah, you guessed it. That's right. I'm in 2022. And I just added this short audio in the episode because I want to let you know that the episode you're about to listen belongs to the old season of the podcast. However, if you want to listen to shorter, better audio quality podcasts and a way better intro, skip to the new area and start listening to the episodes that have the new graphics. A little bit about myself if you don't know anything. I began studying UX design in 2019. Starting out, believe me, it wasn't easy. And after a few months of studying, reading books and networking, grinding really hard, I landed my first role in UX and decided to open a podcast and a blog to share actually my own experiences so far and, and from the experts that I've been talking to as well. Man, since my first role, I've been learning so much from the smartest people in the field. And now I've been handling successfully my career and I want to help you too. So I can teach you the ropes, become confident in UX, land the dreams role in tech that you've been dreaming about for all these years. And my job is going to be simply to inspire you and bring the most experienced guests on the podcast for you. If you want to build your network, improve your UX skills in a fun way and learn about job opportunities, Join our Discord channel, it's free, and I post UX quizzes there, and even have giveaways for you, I mean, uh, for the winners of the podcast. We have leaderboards and levels for the people who engage the most, and, you know, when you are in the top of the leaderboard and win the quizzes, not only you are given a shout-out in my episodes to show you, like, my full appreciation, but you'll also receive gifts from me. And to the ones that reach the highest level, I will even be sharing the secret sources with you of my career and give you access to my personal UX playbook and the books that influenced me the most in my career. Please don't join in too many, or I will literally go broke if I send gifts to everybody. Nah, I'm just kidding. Go check it out for real. And you know, if you want to help me pay off my expenses for the podcast, you can join our Patreon channel. And or you know, if you don't want to join Patreon, you can even uh, offer me a, a cheap coffee every month. You can access all of these from my website. It's UsersFirstPodcast.com. Hey, enjoy my oldest episodes. Peace out now. Bye. Good morning, everyone. I'm your host, Alessio Ferracuti, and today our guest is Gavin Dale, a leader with strategic initiatives. Today with Gavin, we'll be talking about agile methodologies that he uses in the industry, tips for businesses and startups during these difficult times, why digital transformation is so important in all industries, and we'll also talk about the Scottish Tech Army, a new opportunity for designers to get exposure. I just joined this volunteer organization myself, as I truly believe in supporting local businesses. Let's begin! Welcome to the User's First Podcast by Alessio UX where we interview user experience designers and many other digital experts who focus on building products and services that delight users. And what is the number one rule of every product or business? It's that users always come first. Welcome to the user's first uh, podcast, Gavin. How are you today? Hi. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. It's been uh, an improvement in the weather for, for the week. And uh, okay. I've been doing some, uh, some, some stuff with the, uh, 
the Scottish Tech Army. And, Amazing. Uh, yeah, it's been it's been a good a good day in difficult times. Yeah, I know it's been a difficult time, but I've heard good things about the the Scottish community that is so strong and wants to help the local communities. Um, so tell me a bit about this uh, Scottish Army. Um, I've heard about it, but I'm not really sure what it is. Okay, so so the the Scottish um, Tech Army um, is is very new. Um, it's just over a month old. In fact, I think we're maybe about uh, six weeks old today. Um, and it, it was put together with with a mission to mobilise the, the Scottish technology community using its talents and creativity um, and the commitment of its members to rapidly deliver solutions to, to immediate and ongoing problems uh, that many organisations are facing. Mm-hmm. For local it, businesses, right, in, in Scotland? Yeah, it, so it's got two faces, really. It's got, it's got one for organisations that are looking for help. Um, and it's, it's got one for, for people who want to help. So, you know, as an example, you know, through, through recent weeks, um, we know many organisations have been facing higher levels of demand as a result of the, the coronavirus pandemic. And these organisations are, are having to operate in new ways or um, work, you know, in, in ways that they weren't expecting, mm-hmm. that they weren't used to. And, uh, you know, a lot of voluntary organisations um, just don't have the, the capacity or the experience to deliver it. Um, and so Scottish, Scottish Tech Army is there to help these organisations and, and to, to advise. And it's, it's about delivering quickly the, the help and, and advice that they need, whether that's, um, you know, de- developing apps, um, whether it's just the advice in terms of how to go about doing things. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it. And- I think this is a great opportunity for uh, designers that just uh, begin in, in the field, but also like software developers, uh, strategists, and uh, many other people that want to be in the industry and they just began, they just graduated from the university. Uh, this is yes. a great, great opportunity to... Uh, gain some experience. I don't think there would be a better time to get a free work. And as soon as this this is over, um, get out there, show your portfolio with what you've done for the Scottish Tech Army, which is amazing. Yeah. And uh, you, I'm sure you get a job. <laughs> and I, absolutely, I, I I agree. It's um, it's really it's really useful for people like that. We've had a lot of people uh, joining. Your graduates from from Code Clan, um, oh, yeah. and, and places like that. Um, we have people who are um, have currently been furloughed, um, and and so they have the, the availability and the, the time. Did you um, did you actually reach out to these people, or they they, they came to you? They found you through no, Facebook. It's all, it's all voluntary. It's all voluntary. You know, mm-hmm. I I read. I think I read the. Uh, an advert on um, on LinkedIn. I um, went to the the website, which is uh, real easy to find when you Google mm-hmm. Scottish Tech Army, and yeah. <laughs> my details in and signed up. Um, mm-hmm. And about you know, there's about eight hundred people have joined. Wow. So how, how does it work if if after you sign up, 
So, so after you sign up, well, so you've got the sign up on the, the volunteer basis, um, but then you also have organizations coming saying, oh, we've got this problem. Um, that goes through a, a triage process, um, make sure that it's, it's there for, for what we want, want to do and are set up to do. Um, and, and then it gets advertised internally on Slack and mm. people can volunteer to you know, join, join the project or, or deliver um, what's being asked for. So do you know for, who for founded this? Do you know who founded this uh, Scottish Tech Army? Yeah, it was a um, couple of uh, great guys. One was uh, Peter Jacko, hmm. um, and the other one is Alistair. Let me just check. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, I've heard, I've heard of them. Yes, yes. Um, Peter Jacko <clears throat> and... Uh, there he is. I've got his picture, Alistair Forbes. Mm -hmm. Big shout out to them. They had a great idea. I mean, you know, you you got to have the balls to do something like that. Uh, I really I really respect what they did. It's a, it's, it's, think... it's, they showed appreciation I... for, for, for the country and for the local businesses. Yeah, I I have to agree with that. I mean, you know, the, these are, are two um, very successful and talented entrepreneurs who didn't need to do anything, um, but yeah. they, they chose to do something uh, because they could, and they've they've done a great job, and they've had really, you know, I think they've had good support from the the Scottish business community and Scottish government, um, and that's. That's very important, and they're very clear that you know this this organisation is here to help with a short term problem, and you know Beautiful. it's not taking away work from from other people, and it's not competing with other people, um, and and it's a great focus for the people who are volunteering. You know, mm -hmm. for many many of us. You know, as, as lockdown came in and furlough or redundancy, um, that sense of purpose was was taken away. And and what these guys have done is is given, you know, eight hundred people that sense of purpose. And that, that's that's just brilliant. So yeah, you're right. Big shout out to them. Absolutely. Um Kevin, for the ones that don't know you, would you like to give us um a short intro about yourself? Sure. So, short. Um, <laughs> Many years of experience. I, I'm not sure how short that intro could be, but... <laughs> I, well, you know, it, it is quite, I suppose, in a way, it's quite easy to sum up because, you know, I'm, I'm just somebody who's gained, you know, more and more experience um, as, as the years have gone on and many years have gone on. And that, that experience has been sort of taking me into more and more complex roles where project coordination is important, problem solving, management skills, um, and various things, things like that. So I've, I've, I'm a chartered surveyor, a quantity surveyor originally. Um, I have done software engineering. I've worked in the construction industry and in consultancy for, for most of my life. Um, and, and most recently, um, in a fairly um, large-scale engineering consultancy where my focus was on supporting uh, the adoption of 
digital and digital transformation. And that all sounds quite vague, and my career has been quite vague. It was I never had a, a, a great plan to do anything. <laughs> um, but what I what I really do is um, I help to execute strategy, and the strategy is normally developed by other people. Um, so I try and help other people's great ideas come come into reality. <laughs> what kind of um, agile methodologies Imagine. do you usually? Oh, sorry. What kind of uh, agile uh, methodologies do you usually use in companies? So, in terms of agile methods, my my main experience is uh, through Scrum. Um, I've also applied Kanban at a personal level, even on on traditional waterfall projects. Um, I think managing lists on a priority basis mm. is, is a great way to work. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a great way to make sure you, you get through what's important when it's needed. Um, I'd course. be quite clear that from, from my experience, I mean, I, I've applied agile methods as management methods rather than necessarily product development methods. So I'm mm -hmm. sure many of your uh, your listeners and, and viewers will be, you know, far more experienced in terms of software product development. Um, I've used I've used agile methods much more as a as a management tool. I think they're very applicable. In... Absolutely, I think so too. Yeah. Uh, how you know, like there is there is many ways that um, uh, management can be applied. You could be like a, like a root manager and make sure that everybody's following the rules. Or you could be a kind and a lovely manager that makes sure that still everybody is following the rules. Which one are you? Oh, hard, hard question there. <laughs> um, I, I, think, I think both. I think a, a bit of both. Um, and it's it is very interesting because mm -hmm. I think um the more the more urgently you need something, the the uh the less rude you need to be. Mm. Um, I see. Especially when you're introducing something new. Mm -hmm. um, so, so when when do you when are you like the, the the you know, like when are you more demanding and when are you more uh generous or kind? So I think generally um, I'm most demanding uh, when I get involved in projects after they've gone wrong. Hmm. So when when it's it's probably more a feature of crisis management about saying, actually I know what to do here. Don't worry about it. It's it's my responsibility. Just do what I'm asking you to do, and we'll all get out of this together. And, mm -hmm. and I think that's the important thing is that success and failure are, are team sports. It's never an individual, um, you know, sport, and it's not about glory. Um, I think when, when you've got time and, and when you've got a team who are um, keen to succeed, but perhaps don't understand why an 
a particular method is the best way for them to succeed. I think that's that's when you get um, I get the, the 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 biggest kick out of um, supporting people and helping them um, and and having the time to explain things to them and to allow them to try things um, in a way where they develop their own natural comfort with not succeeding first time. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. think you know fail, failure is a great teacher. Um, I hate the, the term fail fast. I love it and, and, and understand what it means. Mm -hmm. I think when people are learning to fail fast, it's really much better to get them to learn quickly. Absolutely. It's, it, it's the learning, not, not the failure, that's important. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I completely agree. And, you know, I keep, I keep on, like, uh, me, obviously, I'm, I'm a beginner in the, in the tech field, and uh, I make mistakes all the time. And it's just um, every time I make a mistake, yeah, I keep on learning, and um, I'm always better. Uh, how many mistakes have you uh, made during these years of experience? Ah, uh, yeah, a huge number, huge number. Um, you know, I, multiple mistakes per day, but hopefully never the same mistake more than once. I, mm -hmm. Again, I, I like of to course. learn from them. I think I think that um, more recently, um, certainly doing digital transformation and, and supporting people to gain the confidence to try new and different things is certainly it's increased the 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 mistake making rate, but it's also brought far bigger successes. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh there is a say there is no failure, um there is no growth without failure. And I guess that's called uh greet or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> love it, man. Um, in one of your short articles, uh, you say that uh, digital should not uh, should be seen less as a thing and more of a way of doing things today. Uh, what do you mean by that? Yeah, so I I think digital um, is very much a philosophy. It's you know that there are there are frameworks and there's there's lots of advice and everything like that, but it's really a combination of three things. It's about people, it's about process, it's about technology. And the thing that's important is it's always about the customer. So your people are working for the customer, the process is adding value to the customer and the technology is, is that, that bit of glue sometimes that holds it all together. Um, and I think, you know, when, when, I, when I've gone to write articles or anything like that, they've normally come out of a, a concern or a sense of frustration that, you know, certainly in, from, I think, consultancy perspective, a lot of people saw got digital mixed up with technology. So I've, I've got BIM 360, we've, we've gone digital. It's like, no, you've got a tool. You have to change your people and your processes to go with. Of course, of course. Uh, you know, like I, I empathize so much that the customers are, are are the beginning. Should be like the priority of every business. Should be the priority of uh, every book written, of every song written, of 
everything. You can't sell a product without uh, considering your customers. Otherwise, you're not going to make anything successful at all. So I, I love what you said about that. And when I read your article, I got really excited because the fact that you wrote that, it means that you really have a strong understanding of, of your field. And that's very reassuring. Yeah, I, absolutely. Customers are everything. If, if you don't have them, you don't have a business. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, lots of businesses are struggling right now. Uh, obviously, we are in the coronavirus uh, period still. For uh, another week, uh, then I guess next week we'll get uh, another update. Um, yeah. Yes. Right now it's 11th of June. Um, and, um, you know, lots of businesses are struggling. And um, in my opinion, they have to adapt uh, to the situation, perhaps uh, deliver more services, um, in, uh, like in develop digitally. What do you think that... Uh, these businesses should do to stay on top of their game? And uh, what would your advice advice be for them? Sure. So I, I think you're right. I mean, we, we, are, we are living through an, an unprecedented experiment on a global scale. Um, you know, I, and part of the challenge of that is nobody will have all the answers. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, you know, we've just, you've just mentioned where, you know, the, there'll be further updates. There'll be updates for us in Scotland, for, for people everywhere. And, and so the future is very uncertain. Um, and there's not much you can do about that. But one thing you shouldn't be doing is making concrete long-term plans other yeah. than to plan for the uncertainty <laughs> of not knowing how things are going to keep changing. And it's really interesting because I think right now, um, for businesses, they, they should definitely be reaching out and engaging with, with their customers. They should also be consulting with their staff and their supply chain. Because in this great experiment, we've all learned different things. We've all found good things, and we've found things that work better working remotely, and we've found things that don't work quite as well. And so the challenge going forward is to stay relevant, keep the good things, don't mourn the bad things, move on, leave them behind, and, yeah. and, and make everything better. But if you're listening to your customers who, who will give you that feedback, and will, you know, it, it can be very high level. You'll get the, we wouldn't have made it without you. Yeah, it was fantastic you kept going to, do you know what? You didn't really handle that very well. You were there one day and gone the next. Mm-hmm. So, you know, engage with these customers and, and get their feedback because they, they'll tell you what, what to do. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I, I really like that. Uh, you know, engaging with your customers, uh, probably like if you're a business owner or a startup, you, you're probably wondering like, oh, how do I engage with my customers, right? Uh, they're all gone. I don't have customers anymore. But no, it's not true. I mean, you have your services, your services digital. If you don't uh, open a website, there is many ways that you can open a website. You, know, you, don't, you don't even need to hire a professional website developer to have a website. You can just go on Wix.com nowadays and uh, spend uh, five pounds per month or whatever it is, which is a coffee on when stores are open. And uh, <laughs> an expensive coffee. And, uh, <laughs> uh, or a pint of beer. And you can just get a website just like that and uh, shoot an online survey to all your customers uh, and ask them what they need uh, from you. 
take yeah. a step a step back to to take too forward i like to say this is the moment yeah. you're not gonna have another chance this is it no de definitely the time you know now now is the time and 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 the great thing is everybody's in the same position you know and and so having that engagement people i think people will will love it that they're being being asked you know mm -hmm. hear hear people's opinions mm -hmm. um and of course many businesses will now have the opportunity because they've they've taken their services digital they've now got a global market yeah so there there are lots of opportunities there absolutely uh the market is changing man um a couple of days ago, I was looking at the real estate market in Scotland. So 2020 is dropping by 5%. 2021 is increasing by 10%. So you're looking to invest in real estate? This is the moment, man. You don't want to invest in 2021. You don't want to pay 10% 10, 10 more, like 10,000 more pounds. This is the moment. Yeah. Market is changing. Take advantage of it or adapt with it. Both. Definitely. Yeah. How, how do you think it's going to change uh, once this is over? Like, for example, uh, a lot of offices now, uh, they are saying that they don't want uh, their employees to go back to the office, for example. You know, the last time uh, before the podcast, we were talking about like how the economy could, could be effective. And what's your thoughts on this? So I actually, I think there, for most people, that option, I th is pretty positive. I've spoken to so many people who have, you know, they've been lifelong commuters and worked remotely. I I did it myself before before um, taking a break at the start of the year, and you know, everybody they what they hadn't realised was was really the toll that that was taking on them, the amount of energy that it was taking out their ability to focus on the job. And, you know, I, I spoke to a director in Singapore who was saying he'd locked himself away for three days and, and couldn't believe the amount of work that he'd got through. Now, he, he was just isolating in, in, his, mm. in his apartment. Um, and again, people in the, in the UK who were saying they weren't traveling down to London or traveling through to Glasgow, um, and they really appreciated that they weren't spending an hour and a half a day traveling and they enjoyed their one hour a day of, of exercise. Yes. But, you know, they'd seen the trade-off. They saw the trade-off in their energy and their health and, and things like that. And I, and I think, you know, businesses should now be thinking about how they're going to reuse their office space, what, what it's going to be there for, perhaps more social than what traditional business use of an office was of desks laid out people sitting trying to work quietly at them um, and i think that then has a consequence on all the surrounding businesses if you've got an office block you know nearby there'll be a starbucks there'll be a prep there'll be a greg's what whatever they all work in football traffic they're all going to be impacted you know, and, local businesses, and yeah, so I think big chains are are going to be more impacted than you know than local businesses. If I think about when it, when I commute, so even if I'm getting the train through to Glasgow from Edinburgh, 
I'll go to the Waverly Station. I'll go to one of the coffee kiosks. I'll pick up coffee. And, oh, just and that link. also the, the train you have to pay for. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. you know, but I have, I have to. It takes me too long to walk. Uh. Exactly. Um, no, that I mean that that would be that that would be affected too. The the, the train company, uh, would, would yeah railway yeah yeah for sure. abs absolutely they'll they'll probably see some some sort of downturn. Oh yeah, roads will be quieter as well. But yes, but I won't I won't if I'm working remotely I won't be replacing. I'll replace that coffee myself. I'll I'll go to the kitchen. I'll make coffee. I don't want Starbucks or Costa to deliver a coffee to my house. I know. So they, I think they've, I think they've got big challenges. Now it might well be that if I'm not traveling and I'm working from home and it's really good to change your focus, go out for a walk. So if I go past the local cafe that does a takeaway, they're now more likely to get my business than when I was commuting. So I'd, I'm hopeful that there's, you know, um, more opportunity for local businesses. I hope so. But we'll see. Yeah, uh, definitely, man. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see what uh, local businesses will do because they have to adapt, they have to innovate. And uh, this, this is a great opportunity. It's a big challenge because you can make your own coffee at home for a 10 of the price. It's, it's gonna be hard. It's gonna be hard. Um, yeah, yeah. That's that's a risk. That's a the risk of a business. You know, it, it doesn't always go well. There is there is always these things. So so I think that's where one of the the one of the really key things for for all businesses is about agility. And mm -hmm. that, you know that for me again is a key part of digital. And and it's you know. It's great having a plan. It's great having having a, a look to the future, but keep listening to your customers because they'll tell you what to change when. And if your customers have gone, don't hang about waiting for them to come back. You know, you've just described like how, how, how easy it is to go and find new customers. Take your experiences, transfer them into new areas. And, and make sure that you continue to evolve. I love that, man. That's, uh, that's wonderful. I really hope uh, that some uh, startups or uh, business owners are listening to this because uh, it would definitely, definitely help them out, for sure. In uh, one of your short articles, uh, you talk about uh, three steps to reach uh, digital transformation in businesses. Uh, you talk about step one, uh, digitize. Talk about step two, uh, digitalize and you talk about step three uh, digital transformation uh, would you like to explain us uh, the difference between uh, these and why they are so important sure so so i think in a, in a way it goes back a little bit to the, the philosophy um around what being digital is um but also this was um again a, a piece that came a little bit out of frustration because the the next the next silver bullet was everybody was doing digital transformation, and actually they weren't. Um, they they were doing lots of other things and calling it digital transformation. So I I think it's very simple in in the three steps. So so step one is about capturing the data, and it's about making the data digital. So you know 
my my analog whiteboard, <laughs> my printed paper, my stuff like that, that needs to be captured because it needs to get it needs to get into digital format at some point. So we can see the examples of where where businesses, you know, currently print things out. You've seen it happen with with banking, with, with almost every, everything where they've replaced the paper format with uh, and an straight to electronic format, which is great. So that that's step one, and th and that's really important because that improves quality, um, it reduces errors, and it will hopefully free people up to do more value adding things. Mm -hmm. So just processing for somebody else that's that's not really adding value that's just feeding the machine exactly and, then, and, and there is also like so software that does that for you nowadays so you don't have to like make anything up yeah. you just you just need to buy the software they're they're pricey and all like um i'm, I'm even thinking about restaurants right now you know like restaurants that yeah. they have all this stuff on paper you know like you can get you can get stuff on uh, on a software pay uh, two thousand five thousand or whatever it is but it's a long-term investment. You're, you're gonna be having the software forever. How much paper do you have to buy? You gotta pay the, the accountant and stuff. You know the uh, the bookkeeper. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, yeah. you gotta look at long-term. Is is and and you have to look at the 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 life cycle. And then you know once once you've captured it digitally, then you can start to look at you know step two, which is re-engineering your process. And take advantage of the of the technology, and that's that's what you've just you know been describing, um, with something like the the EPOS for for um, restaurants for retail, um, and and things like that. And then step three is really about going back to step one because you're going to have to keep looking at things. You won't change everything all at once. You do, just do it a bit at at, at a time. And so digital transformation isn't a single project. It's the outcome of a program of, of different changes, which means you do things differently. And I think at the moment, an interesting example of that um, is probably found in, in fast food. So if I think about, you know, because, because I'm a very old person, I, I remember when, um, you know, you, you went into fast food place like Wimpy Bar and you sat down and somebody came and took your order and they delivered it on plates and it was all cooked right in front of you and everything like that. It was still much faster than a restaurant, but it is not what we have now. And then places like Burger King, McDonald's come along and they, you know, it's a bit it's a bit faster you're standing in a queue but when you stand in that queue you stand there you get to the front to somebody with a till who takes your order and when they press the paid button your order goes into the kitchen and you think about what happens now you walk up to a touch screen you press the buttons you put your card in you make the payment and your order goes through now that person that used to stand at the till and do all that, what they do is they currently bring the bag and give it to you. So that process is going to change a little bit more as well, isn't it? So, you know, there there are always new challenges to be addressed, whether it's fraud, whether 
you know, what, whatever it is. Um, mm -hmm. And you'll always need people if you've got customer, you know, people facing business because things always go wrong. So you always need a way to address things. But that that's where you see digital transformations happening. So, mm -hmm. you know, my, my fast food story, I was a dishwasher. So there's there are no dishes. You don't need dishwasher. It means <laughs> you've got more space for people to actually consume your product. For sure. For sure. Related to the uh, tech industry, so you, you mentioned that you work in the construction industry. With um, the Burger King uh, computer, where you can actually uh, get the order yourself, yeah. uh, which one would it be in the construction industry? Like if there was <laughs> like the, the step three of the digital transformation, basically, what would it be in the construction industry? So, um, what would it be? I need to lie down and think about that. I've, I've, I just, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I gotta be honest. I, it's a hard question. <laughs> so, I think. I think it's I think in in the industry, so in the property industry, so a built asset, I think it's it's in different things in different different stages. So if we took something like an office block and we said there there are certain design decisions that need to be made in order to come up with a completed design that gets tendered that and most of these decisions are made on the, the basis of the capital cost. Hmm. In the life of a building, the capital cost is only 20%. The operational costs are 80%. So it's really important to understand when you make a capital cost decision based on the budget, what the impact of that is on the whole life cycle of the, of the, the operation of the building. So in other words, if I put a cheap component in and it fails regularly, my maintenance costs go up. Of course. If I don't have good control on my, um, on my heating or my lighting, then the operating environment degrades over, over time. It's too hot, it's too cold, it's not responsive. And that then impacts what, what my people are doing in that space, in that office. Mm -hmm. so, so you think that uh, digitalizing this will be the step three, digital transformation, the Burger King yeah. machine, yeah. getting your order. Gotcha. Being able to see the consequence in the future of decisions that you're making now. And so that's where areas like um, so, some of the predictive modeling around digital twins, around BIM models, that's where application of these is much much wider than it's probably currently being used for at the moment it's very much uh, a designer's and a consultant's um tool and playground and mm -hmm. actually it needs to be you know you th you think about it from the point of view of of designing a building imagine if when you were designing a building you spoke to the customers of that building instead of the people who were just paying the bill so not, hmm. not the sponsoring organization, but actually the people who were going to occupy it and said, 
Right, so what does a post-COVID office look like? And they came back and they said, well, we, we need to have some kind of barrier changing so that if we get locked down again in the future, we can wear our dirty clothes to travel to the office. Hmm. We can change, we can be in a clean, protected environment and we can work safely and you know have social distancing or whatever the next set of guidance is and then change back out of these clothes and go back and and engage in a, in a different way and then that changes what makes an employer of choice because an employer of choice is no longer somebody who um you know has an away day or or you know provides fresh fruit at the end of desks or things like that it might be an employer, a good employer has laundry facilities in the office hmm. so that you can put your five shirts in on a Friday hmm. and they're all, they're all ready for you on the Monday. You know, who, who knows how these things go, but that, that all begins to, you know, just spark imagination. Yeah, you know, I, I agree on that. Um, you have the time to do uh, whatever you want. You can manage your own time and, uh, Eventually, like, you got to do the work. So eventually, you'll do it somehow, uh, but you'll do it with your own times. And, and I think it's important that, that we recognize that, you know, we still need the office. Mm -hmm. We just maybe don't need it for, for what we've been using it for. It's not that Victorian factory where, you know, you gain, you gain kudos by being the first in and the last out and you've missed your family and all these important occasions. It's an office becomes a place where teams go to celebrate and to yeah. engage and build very human connection. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Um, I mean, I miss the coffee machine of my office. That's what I miss. <laughs> like, I'm not even kidding right now. Best cappuccinos ever. And you know what? They are 100% free, so that's even better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Great, man. Uh, I, I, love, I love your thinking. Um, you know, like a lot of businesses right now are emerging. So there is old businesses, new businesses, emerging businesses. There is a lot of startups, despite the coronavirus and everything. Um, let's say that I was a, a startup um, this year, and I was, uh, I was about to launch right now, but the coronavirus uh, hit the economy, right? I would probably have the opportunity to reflect on my startup. Uh, if I was a founder of a startup, uh, what, what would your advice be, be for me? I, you know, I, I, think, I think I've probably given it away in, in previous answers uh, to things. But what, so what I would say is if you've not already read The Lean Startup, Eric Rice, then, you know, read that. It's, it's, an, it's an absolute gift. Um, it's it's an easy read and it's just really somebody sharing their experience and mistakes and and saying really focus on adding value. Mm -hmm. So you know right now if you're starting up, get you know get back out and engage with who you think your customers are, and make sure you've still got a market. Don't don't hang about hoping, you know. If if you've just bought and I, you know I know it's not a franchise but you know if you if you've just bought a, a coffee franchise in a you know near a bus stop 
near an office block, you've probably you've got a long time to wait for that to come back. So look at what you've got and what you can do and change it. And if you you know if you still think your market's there, get your MVP out as quickly as you can, and mm. and get feedback from it because people will love to give you feedback and. It depends a little bit where you are in your cycle for a startup, but a good example is something like Dropbox. Hmm. So when Dropbox came along, you know their their offer was reasonably different to everything else. They they were competing with with USB sticks and and all the security risks around that. And their big challenge was to have something that was credible. They actually really needed to build the whole product because of the security aspect. And that's a really big risk if you don't know that the general population are ready to start moving into this magic of the cloud. Because when Dropbox came along, cloud was not a familiar term and concept. And so what they did was their MVP was really just an advert for their service. And they said, we're not quite ready yet, but if you want us to let you know when we're ready, give us your email address and we'll we'll keep in touch. And that was really clever because that allowed them to gauge, you know, you can measure how many people are, are reading your advert hmm. and then you can see your conversion rate to an email address. Now, if you've got a commercial product and somebody's not going to even give you an email address, what chance have you got of them paying you money for it? So yep. also, if the if you get huge response and good response, then it helps you work out how big your market's going to be. So you can work out, you know, is, is your cost model right? Is your revenue model going to work? Do you, you can take that as evidence to investors? Say, look, I've, I've got a, a 10 million person market here, you know, we're good to go at, at five pounds per person per month. <laughs> and it's only going to cost, you know, you, you can build that case. So yeah, it can be quite, are, it seems quite of a fairy tale to people. Well, it, it can become, you know, yeah, if you don't prove it right. But it's much better than guessing, you know, the number of times that I've sat and, and you know, with, with product teams, with various different, you know, organization structures and said, so what's our target here? Mm -hmm. They go, oh, it, it's everybody. It's mm -hmm. like, really, okay. So <laughs> about 7 billion people want this. And, you know, how much are you going to charge? And where's your market research? Where, where's your data? And that's the thing. You need the data to make the decisions. So, you know, if you're, if you're sitting there, right now as a startup and you know check your data check your markets and and see if there is a need to pivot you know there you might have just been presented a great opportunity oh yeah absolutely man i even know uh you know talking about startups uh coronavirus hit us uh the, so, some market you know has closed down so market like like the airline companies, for example, they're they're doing pretty bad. I was looking at the percentages of their profit the other day. So most airline companies right now are making three percent profit, which means that they're 
they're covering all their expenses uh, expenses and they're making three percent profit which is slightly a bit more uh you know to 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 make it uh but there is also some markets that are emerging um like some 15 year old kids open a website for people to check the coronavirus death tolls and these kids now have a business yeah. Uh, because companies approach them and, uh, you know, uh, they, they got sponsorship. And, uh, you know, it, it's sometimes it can seem like very hard. Oh, you got to check the data. You got to check the market. Who's the user target? But like sometimes it could be just as simple as understanding the need for something and just doing it. Yeah. This is like from my non-technical perspective. No, I, I, absolutely. But that, that goes and it goes to your you know, your earlier point about actually it's very easy to do that stuff. So if, you, if you've got stuff that, that you can do that's, that's, that's low-cost investment and therefore low-risk if it doesn't succeed, crack on and do it. Because the, mar- the market will tell you whether you were right or wrong. Um, and, and that goes back to one of your, one of your other episodes of, with... Uh, with Jenny Borkman, she mm-hmm. she mentioned the thing that the mom test. Yeah. So, you know, that's about it, it's a great piece of advice, although I, many people I speak to disagree with it because, you know, our mums, and this might be a Scottish thing, our <laughs> mums are very honest with us. When it's that's a, a bad thing. idea, they tell us. <laughs> uh, they're, su- they're such good mums. But, yes. you know, um, but the whole the whole point of that is about it's about asking questions and about listening to what people are saying, why they're saying. It's about conversation. It's it's all always about that and listening to the the customer. Um, Absolutely, man. Absolutely. You know, like startups uh, are tricky, man, because uh, sometimes like you think you have, like you said, like the best idea in the world, and you know, you're excited by it. You, you might get quite uh, defensive about it too. Uh, you might be close-minded. You're not willing to change your opinion. Not everybody's like that. But the, the, peop- the, the people that make the initial big uh, mistakes, I, I believe. I've had a startup too previously, so I kind of know what people go through at the beginning. Uh, you, don't, you don't accept like too many judgments. You think that your, the mark, that your user target, that's, that's the one you're thinking about. And you don't need any other data to prove it. And, <laughs> and, and uh, you, know, you can lose quite a bit of money too uh, very quickly. So, I know a guy that uh, uh, lost a million dollar on a startup, and uh, the father the father was gonna be the next thing. So he had a partner with uh, six other people. So they had they had an initial investment of six million dollars, US US dollars on this uh, startup, and eventually he failed, and deal went bankrupt, and they were paying off this debt, <laughs> crazy debt. So you know, yeah. like be careful, especially. When you put the money into something like really, man, uh, especially when it's something like that you've not seen, that is not an asset. Yeah, and 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 that's you know I think I think there are there 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 are always two sides to to any story and any any piece of advice. And I think you know with startups, you just look at the failure rate of of startups. You know I think it's something like eight out of ten don't make it. Really? Oh, yeah. Wow. It, it's phenomenally high, and and so you need to begin to ask the question about why don't they? And then on the other hand, 
you look at something that we started with, you know, where we talked about much earlier, Scottish Tech Army. So two guys, you know, Alistair Forbes, Peter Jacko, put it together. I'm not sure they did much checking on, on the, the requirement or the, the need for it. In six weeks, they've got 800 people, 150 projects. They, they've delivered, I think they've delivered about 50 projects already or 30 already. Mm. Um, and they were able to do that at very, very low risk because all they did was really place the advert going, well, if you want to volunteer, come and volunteer. And the other side of the advert was, well, if you, if you need help, ask us. You know, and they're okay, sure. they're doing lots of other stuff in the background and everything else, but they're not putting a huge amount of, you know, out there in, ter in terms of risk, certainly reputational risk or whatever. But as they've had a big shout out from both you and I, I think I think their reputations have gone up rather than down. So they yeah, know, no, you for know, sure, they know what they're doing. Yeah, they have my admiration, you know, like um they, like really, really and, and also like related to startups, like they're doing something for free. You know, they're not asking for anything. And yeah. sometimes like it's, it's startups think, Oh, I gotta charge like this much, I gotta charge like this much. Sometimes like even doing something for free could build you an audience or, or customer, yeah. like giving the, well, the, the user like so much importance that then uh, you don't even have to ask for money, but they'll, they'll come to you eventually. And, and I, think that's, I think that's a really, really important point. And I'm, I'm really pleased to hear you say that because I, I think when you look at the majority of businesses that succeed, whether, whether you take the startup as being Apple, or whether, whether you take it as tech army or whatever. The ones that succeed know why they're doing what they're doing. They've got a purpose. They, they've got a good reason for doing it. And their, their, their reason for doing it is never about making money. Hmm. It's, never about, it's never about all these other things. It's, it is something about being the best of the best or delivering the customer the best experience. You know, and, and, and that's what's important to focus on. And if you do that, then I do believe the money will follow. Absolutely. 100% agree on that. Money is just a consequence. It's not the reason. If it's the reason of your startup, then you should stop what you're doing, I think. Yeah. If you want to do a startup because you want to make money, it's wrong. Like Bart Zuckerberg, the owner of Facebook, right? Yeah, uh, the, I, I watch like a few uh, interviews of him, and they always ask him like, "What do you do with the money? Do you care about money?" He says, uh, "You know, like I don't care about money. I just, I just want to make the best experiences as possible, uh, make people happy, and uh, you know, like make sure that uh, they're. In, yeah, I want to change the world. That's what he says. You know, I want to change the world. I want to make a difference. And yeah. uh, you know, in the in the beginning, actually, Facebook was free." Uh, you didn't yeah. have to pay for it. You still don't have to, which is amazing. And um, actually, Mark, in the beginning of Facebook, didn't even accept advertising. That's, you know, uh, when they yeah. used to be like under under, under the 1 million uh, figures, you know, that, that says it everything, right? Sometimes like uh, not asking for money or not accepting money, then it could lead to way bigger things. Yeah. That's yeah. just good, yeah. good to have it in mind, right?
Definitely. Do, do the right things for the right reason. Money, exactly. Money will, find, money will find you. Exactly. I have one more question and uh, then we can wrap up. Uh, regarding your, uh, the Agile methodologies, so um, how, did you, how did you learn like, Agile methodologies and what's, uh, what's one source of uh, learning that you would suggest to our users? So I, I, started, I started by doing it. Um, so I did a, a little bit of, um, of research, I suppose. Um, going down the scrum route, um, it was very much um, that was supported by scrum.org. Um, I, I used their website, their resources. Um, they, they give you a, a free, you know, you can download the, the, the scrum framework for nothing. You don't have to pay anything for it. There are loads of um, online resources tell you how to apply it and give you experience, stories of experiences of doing it. Um, and then, um, and so I, I sort of did that research, read, read the framework, decided how I thought I might do it, did the Scrum Master certification, um, wow. formed, formed a team for, uh, for adoption for, for the 365 platform. Hmm. Um, and we, developed our management products in four sprints and did, did our user surveys, uh, found out what people were already doing, worked out the change plans. And, and so rather than our traditional approach, which would have been maybe three, six months in an ivory tower, developing a, a plan that was of extreme beauty and no use, Hmm. Um, we just worked out the, the the very small incremental steps that people would need to take, and then engaged with the business on them. And said, okay, we you know you've done the investment, you've got the platform, and we gave them the change plan and 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 everything. Um, and Wonderful. It, worked, it sounds it very familiar to me. Uh, <laughs> so I do I do that on a uh, like daily basis. Just um prioritizing things uh, at work, like user, user yeah. experience, how to make it better, how to make it faster, how to make yeah. it uh, feasible. Yeah. And, and, and so the, ben the benefit, the, this one, I think one of the, the key benefits for, for Scrum is, you know, you're time boxed. So everything happens. We did everything in, in two week increments. So each sprint lasted for, for two weeks. And by the end of it, you have to have your working product. So, so you know, we had to have a, a, a useful management artifact. Um, and, and actually, that, that was the driver because people then in the team were only adding things that were of value. They weren't adding things because of vanity or it made mm. them look good. It mm. was... No, no, this is really important because we know that 80% of people are currently doing process A. We want them to do process B. And this is how we make them do it. So, of course, it, everything related it, to what you said, like uh, the users come first, put your first, yeah. your customers. If your customer says A, you're not going to say B. 
Well, I've, right. I've seen people doing that. <laughs> well, but that, that 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 leads to failure. You know, that's why uh, research is so important. Like, I'm sure you can put the B too, but but you know, it's not that important. You you have to be careful the way you you add yeah. uh, features. I'm talking about like uh, from a, a user experience uh, point of view on a software. So I'm not sure in oh. real life how it works. No, no, I I think I think it works the same way both both ways because what you end up with is uh, either an angry or frustrated or disappointed customer um, and you know I've, I've seen that as well when you try and fit somebody else's problem into your solution mm, gotcha, gotcha. and actually that's not you know that's bias. not the right way to do it that's bias and um yeah. ego sometimes because you don't want to accept the fact that you're wrong and that's yeah. that's not very that's not very open-minded mindset but again you know like we make mistakes uh we learn we get better it's like everything if you have a a, a mindset which is about exploring which is about you know looking looking at new things and not having the ego that says I have to be right. In fact, if you've got an ego that says, I've no idea what the answer is, but I need to be surrounded by people who can contribute, mm -hmm. then things like the Scrum framework, you'll absolutely fly with that. For sure, for sure. Uh, Given, if uh, the listeners wanted to get in touch with you, uh, how can they contact you? Sure. So I'm um, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, you can find find me on LinkedIn as as Gavin Dale. Um, if anybody wants to send an email, you can just send one to gavin.dale at myself.com. Wonderful, Gavin. Thank you so much. Uh, I really I really really enjoyed this episode. For me, uh, I mentioned to you earlier, I don't talk about uh, startups. I don't talk about businesses. Uh, this is actually the first time I do that. So for me, this was very, very exciting and very, very open-minded. And I learned a lot uh, from talking to you. And I really hope uh, that uh, we can uh, we can have um, another discussion very soon together. Oh, great. I, I would look forward to that. And thank you for, for the, the opportunity and, and best wishes. Thank you. 